Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. It seems like lots is going on right now. It's, uh, I don't know, just lots going on. I had coaching courses. You were away at Belgian Waffle. Uh, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> for yep. two people who said they were going to stay closer to home, I guess here we are. Yep, yep. It's been hectic and it's it's just kind of continuing to do so because I leave again for uh, pacing a friend at Western States. Uh, then after that, we go to Quebec so I can race Quebec Mega Trail, which I'm super excited about. That'll be my first race since the, the 100 miler. So that's going to be cool. And that made for a pretty hectic Belgian waffle ride, I have to be honest. So right. so this was the Asheville version. Yeah, Asheville, so North Carolina. Was, was it worth it? Should people go check this out next year? Or oh what? my gosh, yes. I mean, this was the coolest thing. It felt like summer camp. And I mean, granted, I was on the media team not riding my bike 130 miles. So like slight difference. But the uh, the Canuga Resort is this really cool place. There's kind of every option you can stay in like the bougier hotel version of it. Or they have little cabins. They have guest houses. They have all the way to like backcountry camping kind of thing. So you can really choose your own adventure there or stay in Hendersonville or Asheville. Uh, but the race itself, super cool uh, just to, to pimp out the the race because honestly, it was one of the niftiest things I've seen. It's fif- it's about 50 miles of unroad, so between gravel and single track and just some of the most hectic trails I've seen, and then like 70 miles of smooth road. So really cool concept, uh, really fun race really fun atmosphere they really put a lot of work into the the vibe of it and having that more festive atmosphere uh yeah you really just felt like you were at summer camp all weekend so it was it was fun but like i said training for quebec mega trails while working on the media team with bwr uh definitely was a little hectic a couple 4 a.m wake-ups to get in my long runs on the weekend i had to do do 20 miles on friday and then 16 on sunday uh I did get in the the 20. It took two runs to do it. And I did. I was a little, I was like three miles under on Sunday. Right. Just, How did you handle that? Were you uh, okay with it? I was okay with it because I think my coach and I, I had said like, you know, I'm going to be in the follow car all Saturday and doing the, the live uh, or unlive updates of the race. And I think in both of our heads, that didn't seem like a lot of work or it seemed like a lot of work, but more brain work. But oh my gosh, I was so tired. Uh, so it was one of those, which do I prioritize? Do I prioritize getting enough sleep and being a functioning person and flying home and feeling good? Or do I prioritize getting all of the miles in? Yeah, there's only so many hours in the day. It's a tough one, right? And sometimes yeah. you, I think you can get through, you know, a day or two like that. You know, pretty resilient people. Some of these races you do are all hours of the day. But uh, yeah. yeah, you need to be careful, right? So it's good you reduce the one day and even I think dividing the other day, right? Versus waking up at 3 a.m., it's that probably a little better, you know, let yourself get a chance to eat and that sort of thing. Yeah. So all good. And oh my gosh, you know, I kind of forgot what it was like doing nutrition on the go when you're at work. Uh, you know, I've been, I did a training camp and that was a little bit easier on the nutrition side of things. Still, still a bit of a challenge when you're living in a hotel room, but when your job is training, it's a little easier to prioritize, oh, we're going to make sure we're eating well, eating enough, all that kind of stuff. Uh, this time was very much full on. If I wasn't running, I was working. Um, so definitely harder to keep the, the nutrition up. There is plenty of junk food to be had. Actually, no, 
there are also a lot of times where you're like, I haven't had water or food in six hours and right. quite hungry. Uh, but luckily I had brought along, obviously a tailwind for my runs. I had some protein powder, uh, which really helped because anyone who's been at like a work trip knows that most of the options tend to be on the carby side whenever there is food for the masses. Um, and then obviously I had my AG1 Biathletic Greens. I had the little travel packs with me. And when you're on trips like that, I don't know about you guys, but uh, the vegetables are tend to be in shorter supply, we'll say. So having something that just had all of the vitamins, all the minerals, like everything that I needed just in one shot was definitely really helpful uh, just to make me feel a little bit better and you know, just really push that, uh, okay, my bases are covered and morning hydration because uh, mm -hmm. real mm -hmm. easy when there's just coffee and then just beer in mass quantities of both, it's pretty easy to go a whole day without drinking water. So really helpful having those travel packets along. I was really psyched to have packed them. Yeah. And I mean, that's real life. You're actually using them, which is great. Uh, it is the uh, AG one is the sponsor for this episode. So we do want to make sure that we, we give them a thanks and, uh, talk a little bit about that. You know, we often talk about the, that third party certification is important. Yeah, the fact that it's NSF certified is huge. And actually I know it's super cheesy to say this, but one question I've been getting a lot lately, and I'm actually not kidding about this. I'm literally out on runs and I have people like run up next to me, like friends of mine, but they're like, oh, you know, I heard you mention this athletic greens thing. Is it worth it? And I keep having to explain that AG1 itself actually isn't just greens. It's actually uh, like fuller vitamins, minerals, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, and greens, like mm -hmm. all in one thing. So it's really your your one-stop shop versus having, you know, an array of supplements for that you're sure, which is good. Day. And they're, you know, they're tweaking this over the years now, right? It's been a lot of years that this has been developed. I believe this is the 53rd iteration of the formula. Okay, maybe not 53 years, but the iteration. So it's, it's evolving here. Uh, and, and, you know, your friend who runs up to you, you know, I, I say about this isn't even necessarily a benefit, but as a coach, I'm happy because maybe we could just pick the one thing, NSF, it's got some stuff in it, it's good. Uh, people generally are feeling better on it especially those that have, you know, aren't eating as well for whatever reason, they're traveling, they're busy, uh, they don't have interest in cooking. Uh, but then we can get back to the, you know, the training and the other things of like versus uh, going searching for the next miracle supplement or, or something on, you know, that's been advertised to you. Yeah, exactly. So yes, cannot recommend it enough. And actually, I also want to just shout out the fact that the website is super easy to use. Um, I didn't realize this, but if you're, you know, someone who's traveling for a month or two at a time. So you don't want to commit to a subscription because you're, oh, I'm not going to be around for the month of December, January, whatever. Uh, you can actually go in and pause your subscription or change the date that your next one comes. So sure. it's honestly super easy. And they do have the one month supply and everything, but the subscription is a way better value. So. Yeah. Or, or maybe you're home and, you know, really centered and, you know, someone is cooking really rich, you know, great meals and things, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe you do, you skip that month, but then the next month, you know, you're running to these races or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And ultimately, it does cost you under $3 a day. So we're not really talking about something that's super expensive. If you think about like, if you're taking three or four supplements, mm -hmm. then it definitely adds up. Yeah. yeah, you start doing a probiotic and a vitamin D and fish oil. And yeah, very quickly, you're you're at and over that. Exactly. Anyway, uh, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you one free year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. Cannot tell you how awesome these travel packs are with your first purchase. Uh, all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Molly H. We did that because consummate athlete is way too hard to spell in a URL. Uh, again, athleticgreens.com slash Molly H to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. So 
With that said, let's get into this week's listener question. And this was a big one. And we thought it was actually, you know, we've been doing listener questions on Fridays for the last bit, but we actually thought this one was important enough that we wanted to do it on a Tuesday. Yeah, we get, you know, people reach out and they send us really heart, you know, heartfelt messages sometimes. And, you know, sometimes the questions are, you know, really personal. Uh, But this one I thought was, you know, personal, heartfelt, uh, but also I think touched on a few different threads that we're seeing uh, again, with listeners, with ourselves, and then with with my coaching clients, uh, you know, so it was a it was a big, a big conversation, and so you know, I, we, we tried to summarize it there. I don't know. Do you want to take a stab at you know what is the question here, just so we're based on what we're talking about? Yeah. So this person uh, just came back, and he did two big weekends of racing, first races back since obviously early 2020. Uh, he was happy to be back, but nervous before the race, very feeling very unsure, which I know a lot of people relate to. Uh, and then he says he found himself struggling with the breathing as soon as the race started. He had trouble focusing settled in, found a little bit of speed, but then just didn't feel like he could push as hard as he could have and was just exhausted after the race. And, you know, he says over the last two and a half years, he's been doing his own thing, just enjoying bike riding, maybe out with some friends, that kind of stuff, and just kind of exploring different things, uh, but mainly just some solo and some group riding versus racing. Uh, and he's, he, you know, assumed that he was going to be one of these people who's super excited to be back to racing because his life had largely had a lot of racing in it before this. Uh, he'd, you know, been like a lot of us racing pretty regularly. I think in cycling, especially it's pretty common to race most weekends of the summer. Mm -hmm. It's not unheard of, certainly. Uh, so, you know, he doesn't really have like a specific, how do I question, but just kind of wanted to ponder i guess a little bit like what does it all mean and what is what is sort of the the next step for for him as this person who thought of himself as a racer but is suddenly not finding that joy yeah so even that you know our summary (laughs) so much in there uh i don't know if you have a a thought on where we start I, i thought the the big thing there was that none of this is again it's so much we try to summarize it there's so much wrapped up right there's nothing's in isolation so you know, there's a little bit of, you know, there's, there's stress reduction that comes from getting out for exercise or movement. Uh, so then if that's our outlet for that, you know, and the reason we do that, though, is because of bike riding. It's just sometimes it's it's this idea of the, the balance, right? And I think that's with consummate athlete. That was our thought, right? When we have this community, I have to double check on our C's here, consistency, confidence, cross-training community. Uh, and, and some of that, those those four C's that we call them, I think what we're trying to get at with that is trying to be resilient against, you know, if bike racing disappears, can we still go to the gym? You know, if, if, can we still go walking if we're injured or could we go swimming? And because that stress reduction or that time in nature or that time with friends, that time moving is so important, but there's lots of ways that these can get disrupted, whether that's, you know, long-term, it could be aging or injury. It could be a pandemic. So I don't know. I think there's a lot wrapped up with this, but I think, in, in this particular case, like, is it weird to come back from not racing, especially, you know, we're all getting older. I would say this athlete is similar to me in a lot of ways, has raced for a long time, pretty seriously, you know, still, you know, going pretty good. But then at some point, you know, there's a break and now you're like, well, I really enjoyed just, you know, I always talk about the garage sales on the weekend. So I guess the question is, is it okay to stop? Uh, is that, is that the question we're actually trying to ask? You know, that that I haven't asked? Yeah, well, the, the first note that I wrote in response to this sounds harsher than I mean it to be, but it was just that nobody really cares whether or not you're racing. Hey, now. 
I know. Masters I know. champion 1999. I said it. I said it. I'm yeah, not okay. taking it back. Okay. Uh, I mean, the fact is like your, your cycling friends are your cycling friends, whether or not you're racing mm-hmm. or not. Uh, y- your family is not going to think any less of you. In fact, your spouse or partner may actually like you a little yeah. better. You're going to garage sales. <laughs> yeah, you're now. going to garage sales. <laughs> Uh, so I think we, we get it in our heads that if we stop racing, it's going to be this big thing, but I mean, you're, you're not, you're not Julian Absalon retiring from professional well, even mountain still, bike. There's probably people listening who don't know who Julian Absalon is. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we already forgot. <laughs> exactly. Well, actually, and you know what, that's actually a hilarious point because I, two weeks ago, you know, I was at this Western States training camp and I, I think I said it on the podcast the other week the conversations between those people it was hilarious right it was you know oh you've only done 100 miler like just super casually dropped like that and i was like hey guys hey now um you know that's not a normal human conversation and i i kind of left that feeling a little bit like oh gosh am i like a real like oh no oh no who am i uh then i get to this uh, BWR this weekend and I'm talking to the you know media guys who literally like make their life doing race photography and I'm mentioning they're like oh what's next for you and I'm like oh I'm going to Western States to pace a friend and they're like oh Western States what's that so it's not even the, the people in the race who they have no idea yeah. it's literally the race itself that like a week ago I thought was the hugest deal in the entire world uh, so these are the big races like you know for for those of us who are not on the the you know, podiums at these major world-class events, just us, us normal athletes, it doesn't really matter whether or not we're racing. Like what really matters is like, are, are you fit? Are you healthy? Are you happy? So I think that that's sort of my first point. I guess. And what you mean by that, you don't mean no one cares, but you mean that you, you can, you're allowed to do different things. No um, one is going to be offended that you've stopped racing or devastated that you've mm-hmm. stopped racing. And you can always decide to come back in another year or like, different ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I found the same this year. I, I'm racing locally. Um, I, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've only raced a few times. I jumped into a running race and I don't know. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's been good. I think, you know, I haven't missed it, but I, there's been a, a better balance, I think, where I can sort of say, okay, I'm racing in a couple of weeks. That gives me a bit of motivation. And then, you know, the race day isn't, you know, a huge disruption to get to. Uh, so I think that's the idea is that, you know, we can, we can evolve. And I think people are excited for us if we start doing run races or weight training. We have a few friends who have gotten more into, you know, the CrossFit or uh, sport of fitness, as they call it. And they still ride and they're still great riders. Uh, but now, you know, they do more, you know, they found that second community or third community that they're going to, right? So in a lot of ways, that's more resilient. You know, it's better in the winter probably to go to the gym than it is to, uh, you know, sit in the basement doing trainer rides or only doing trainer rides. Right. So I, I think that's the idea. That's been my experience is that, you know, it, it's good. It's tough though, because it is so wrapped up in, especially your identity, if that's, you've been, you know, this Uber cyclist. Um, but it is, there, there are a, th- a lot of things wrapped up in it because I think sometimes when we're, we've really gone hard on cycling as stress reduction, right? If that's your outlet and you can't do it or you don't want to do it or the reason for doing it are taken away, that can be pretty tough, I would imagine, right? Yeah, well, it's funny. I'm looking at our, our four C's here and the confidence and consistency and even community. Like, I think a lot of people just kind of associate that automatically with a race goal or with having a certain you know, I'm training for this thing or, you know, I'm training because of this thing. Um, And I think especially with endurance sports, a lot of us got into them, especially people listening to this podcast, just from who we know who listens to it. 
Uh, a lot of people got into it having put a triathlon on the calendar, a marathon on the calendar, a bike race on the calendar, and that's what they started training with. Very few people just start casually riding or casually running. And You think so? Well, of our audience. Okay. <laughs> You're right, because the majority of people actually happily just ride bikes all the time and never race. Mm-hmm. And that's great for them. And do a variety of things, yeah. So I think just looking at like what 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 got you here won't get you there, I guess is maybe part of it. But like I got into sport as a competitive person. So taking away the racing element is actually like very strange. It's it doesn't compute almost. Like how do you have the consistency if you don't have a race on the calendar? How do you have confidence if you're not like what is or what is the point of confidence if you're not on a start line maybe especially hard if you're more what they call extrinsically motivated where those the race result or even just the race finish right i always say whatever winning is for you uh if that's taken away then does that remove the daily the daily grind if there isn't something there oh yeah no i have a quite a few friends who love running and like it's what they do it's like their passion but if you take the races off their calendar they will suddenly get sort of inundated with work or life or whatever sure. is going to come up and suddenly their their training just doesn't happen because they don't have that race goal on there. So and this question included a bit about, you know, over the pandemic a lot of people got into challenges and big rides or big loops. And so I think that's where some of the answer for this stuff can come from too is, you know, you're going to go do a big bike packing loop. You're going to go for this, you know, I used to call them, you know, the local hill test. Now we maybe refer to Strava or these different things where the biggest hill in town, you're going to train for 4 weeks and see if you can go faster up it or or perhaps get the KOMQ the fastest time uh, on that. And I, I think those are, are worthwhile goals. But I think as we get older, there's maybe a more global question. So I was hinting around, you know, maybe we need to go to therapy or talk to us. It could be a sports psychologist if that seems more uh, attractive to you, more approachable. Accessible, yeah. But Molly's made a good argument in past episode that, you know, the normal counselors or therapists, normal, quote unquote, you know, the I don't know. What do they call it? Mainstream? Regular? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, You know, for normal life stuff. This is maybe a normal life stuff discussion too when we're starting to get into identity, right? But I think any of those are great ways to edge into it and try it. There's now online ones if you're more comfortable, you know, doing it via Zoom. Mm -hmm. I'd also note that Honestly, regular therapy just still felt like a sports psych session, having interviewed so many sports psychs sure. over the years. It's more the, I would say it's more the person or the experience that you're probably hunting for, right? But mm-hmm. again, if you're struggling a bit, it's it's good, I think, to go and talk about this. We're all going to get there at some point. It's probably good to start uh, you know, asking questions and exploring a bit uh, if you have the means and, and the motivation. Yeah. The other thing that I noticed about this question was that it was returning to two big weekends. And these were like back-to-back weekends, I believe. Uh, so maybe part of it isn't necessarily that like one race was was tough. Maybe it actually was just two two weekends was just a little too much to come right back into. And these were long races too. These were not like you know hour and a half, ninety minute things. These are you know twelve plus hour events. And you know whether however hard you're doing them, like that can be a little bit tricky to. Uh, to come back from and not feel super fatigued or feeling a little bit of like questioning your, your life decisions. Cause that's also two weekends that you're now not puttering around at home, not like cleaning the house, not getting ready for like the next week of work. So sure. I can say like, I've now had like several back-to-back event weekends and I have been hitting Mondays feeling so overwhelmed and like 
just kind of out of sorts. Sort of lose those catch-ups and the downtime. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, it might be that we're that's unfamiliar and that's maybe normal and maybe maybe that's okay. And I think you're right. Maybe we should do the practical of these questions a little bit, right? Maybe this is just new and sudden, like when you started racing or the first race of the year is often has a lot of these. I, I highlighted the breathing because the breathing is actually, I, I've seen a few people with this where I think it's just, you know, first race of the season, especially if it's cold or like a short track race, there's often this go hard cough where you're coughing for a day or two mm-hmm. and everyone's a little more self-conscious about <laughs> I was coughing. Gonna say, so now you can't be in public and- right now. Uh, and you're a little concerned cause you were maybe traveling and around people, but it, it, a lot of times it's just the go hard cough cause you haven't been breathing that much and that hard or, or maybe that shallowly. And, mm. and then, you know, you can go down a rabbit hole, but I think this is just normal that you're not used to it. So it does beg a question around training, which sometimes just early in the season, you're not as trained as you will be for your main a race in the summer it's just really hard to ever emulate the nerves and the increased heart rate and stuff like that that mm-hmm. happens at the beginning of a race and but, how that but i do you. think you know especially as we're getting older the tendency is to start going longer and longer and longer and losing some of that high intensity which is when the breathing happens so now you're seeing a lot of this discussion uh on the endurance podcast and stuff about the isolated breathing training which we've mentioned and i, I think i like respiratory training in principle but it's so isolated and, and adult not adulterated but it's so taken away from the thing whereas i do think that you know the the consensus has always been that you don't need to train breathing separately uh and there's only so much time and money in the day and and i think what we could do is do you know intervals twice a week where we get breathing pretty hard and the last one or two feel a little bit like those critical moments in the race whether that's the race start or the big hill towards the end of the hundred mile mile or even where you're, you're maxed, yeah. your legs are starting to twinge, you're breathing, you know, starting. Yeah. And in these intervals, are you doing it right? Well, you should be breathing pretty, you know, you should feel like you want to stop and you should persist into that red zone and put your, I call that the hand in the fire. And so sometimes we, we miss that, especially in the off season, especially if we're more wired up to just go ride forever. You know, if we're wired up, then that's going to be the hard workout of the week. Some people are the opposite. They would do that hard hand in the fire every day. But if you have to ride more than an hour, you know, so we're all wired up differently. So mm-hmm. just make sure that the training is appropriate and it's not abnormal for the first race to be a little unprepared for it early. And then there's the mental aspects of racing. He, he This uh, questioner mentioned being a little uncertain, a little nervous. But Ooh, that was my next point. Yeah. But, you know, normal. Yeah. Good. Absolutely normal. Um, but we've talked about this before. The, the general rule that we tend to stick with as far as like racing goes is like you, you start struggling when you start trying to re-decide or like rationalize in the race. And right. that's... Do this, I belong? This Should sort I of quit? sounds like that. Am I hurt? Mm-hmm. Is my bike... Uh, this last weekend we had a muddy race and there's a lot of this like, you know, oh, it's going to be muddy. And then, oh, I'm going to start. But then my bike's making noises. So I'm going to quit before I break my bike. And it's one of those... I get it because there's not a lot of bike parts in the world. So if that was the decision you made, absolutely no judgment. But in general, once you're in it, you're in it. And the only way out is the finish line, whether you're running yourself to the finish line or what, um, you know, and again, there's probably lines and decisions to be made there, but certainly like the hurt, et cetera. Like, (laughs) obviously we've talked about this before. This is the race. If you're going to race episode, maybe we can include a link to that in the show notes. But yeah, my general rule is just don't redecide in the moment. And it sounds a lot like, the, and it's not just don't redecide in that pull out. It's don't redecide in the like, 
oh, this was a bad idea. Oh, what or, am I or doing? Or trying to determine what's wrong with you yeah. is another one. Like, oh, I didn't do enough. You know, oh, damn, Peter did say you should breathe really hard in your intervals. I haven't breathed hard in a year. Uh, you know, now is not the time to diagnose. Mm-hmm. Now is the time to get yourself to the finish line. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be data. You have a finish, at least an experience that then we can build on. Uh, and this person certainly did that. Really. Yeah. <laughs> this is not here, but we want to be careful that we're not trying to diagnose during it. So this is a focus refocus. And this is a mental skill that we hone because when you're pinned and you're working hard and you want to quit, your brain's going to start saying all sorts of mean things and, and Hey, no, you should just stop. You know, Oh, your bike might be broken after. Maybe you should stop. I was going to oh, say, it's not even the like, what is that? Your, is your knee hurting a little bit? Maybe you should pull out. Don't hurt your knee. Yeah. Don't worry about the mean things. Yeah. Like you suck or you're slow. Worry about the mean things that are like, Oh, just, just pull over for a minute. Have so a we snack. Do, this is where, you know, meditation and, and we call this mindfulness, right? Where it's just, those are thoughts and you're allowed to you don't hear those, but then you may have to thank them and ask them to, to leave you alone for now. Uh, Like I hear you. (laughs) We'll address you later. Yeah. Uh, So that's that. So practical. And then the only other piece was the, uh, how fast the single track is and, and, you know, not being able to stay on wheels or something like that. Again, normal early in the season, normal if we've been doing a lot of these big adventure bikepacking and not a lot of sending it, you know, weekly race, with people, really fast group rides, you know, enduro style riding, or just, you know, cross country, really fast, cyclocross, really fast, uh, and gravel, you know, segments up and down. And this, I do see this a lot where it's, we're never going up hills really hard on gravel or mountain bike train. And then we're never with people going really fast on single track, especially down, rocky, bumpy. And so you can't expect yourself suddenly when you're pinned in a race and fatigued and trying to hold on wheels to suddenly be perfect at it. But this is a note for training. How do we how do we find yeah. those experiences and become more at home at them? Right? Yeah. So. Uh, okay, so that's practical. Was there any other practical things you know that we can do if we are because you might just continue racing? Maybe nothing's wrong. I, yeah, I mean, I don't think you should like wipe out any registrations you have for the rest of the season right. necessarily. Give it another couple. Uh, yeah, but you know, maybe just making sure we're avoiding those back to back race weekends. Give yourself a little breather on the weekends. Uh, you know, make sure you're you're feeling fully recovered for sure. Especially with these long ones, right? It's it's uh, you can do it, but it, it's definitely it's a big load on the body. And I wonder if that's our learning coming out of the pandemic is it's okay to have a month where you're just training and having fun, and then maybe you build up again, like I say, to an event. This is your two month goal. Is you know we're going to this hundred mile world championships. We're going to spend two months doing fun rides that are awesome, but move you in that direction. Do the race. This is your test and retest. You know, did you feel better? Did you do better in the single track? Did you pace better? Any nutrition things? Then you get two more months before the next, you know, whatever world championships uh, of the world. Yeah. And I mean, I would say this is something that I, I, the nice thing with ultra running is you kind of don't have that option. I would say there are some people who are racing like a couple hundred milers a month. And I actually have some friends who are signed up for say like 10, 50 K plus races this summer. Um, but for, for me, like it would not even occur to me to have more than two races on the calendar for this summer. Like that's, and even that feels like a lot. So, which is okay. And we always refer to, is it Meb? Yeah. Meb. Meb the marathoner. Uh, great book. And he talks about, I think in his career, he did 24. I'm not going to get the numbers right. So I think it's like 26 or 27. That's why oh, he wrote yeah, it's the... This, it's the same as mileage as the... the yeah. yeah, exactly. But his career, I think, was 12 or 13 years or something. And he yeah. did that many marathon races. Now, I'm sure he had a couple longer runs, but a lot of their runs are actually not... You know, they also run really fast. So, I mean, it's a three-hour run. Uh, but that's the idea is that he wasn't marathoning every weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's pretty neat, right? And he had 
hundreds probably of 5k and 10k and half marathon races in there but it, i think it's just important to note like if that's what the fastest people in the world are doing why do we do i guess more yeah exactly and sometimes i pose that to clients as thought experiments even with hours uh what is the the unbound winner from last year i always reference Ian boswell 18 hour weeks at like yeah most. he had a couple of no he had a couple of 20s but again he's a pro tour so he does have a history uh, of more mileage that's true for a lot of us not all of us but but you know again even if we're just starting cycling does it make sense that we're doing you know similar amount to ian boswell should we even be doing 50 percent of what this you know it's still young and, and talented and genetic you know obviously genetically talented uh all the resources and support i, I don't know right I, it's an interesting thought experiment maybe sometimes but yeah you don't you don't have to i guess is the point right maybe so yeah um, uh okay so that was practical did you you said you had more notes on the the practical you know we did the race we were nervous breathing technical no practical and we we have a lot of race resources for like the post-race sort of breakdown all that we actually have a post coming out this week that is on recovery after big events because it's sort of that reminder that hey a lot of people it feels that like the, that's the one that we've done before yeah okay yeah. so we've cleaned that one up I that's that up. one i use all the time i did because i realized as i looked at it you know we wrote this post originally back in 2014 okay and originally it was like ah so you've done a 60 mile race like oh, really that's funny yeah i mean we're talking about like you know at the time it was recovering from transylvania epic was part of what you were talking about sure. that was a three-day mountain bike race uh seven i think was it seven yeah it's a full week whatever at any rate like it was something that felt so huge and so no one is doing this very few people are doing this and now it's so common to just be going out and slamming these 130 plus mile gravel mm -hmm. races on the weekend and we've almost stopped seeing them as big races because they've become so common but these actually take a huge amount of recovery in that article i always reference because people don't always believe what i'm saying uh linda will say w because i always butcher her last name and i'm sorry uh she has a great thing uh about recovery after long races and she uses a bit of tss in there and just you know i think it's a good rough rule especially for those who like need to see the tss numbers uh, but it, it's not a lot, right? Like I had a lot of unbound folks were, you know, I think I saw Andrew L'Esperance was a pro rider. And I think the TS was like 600 or something or 700 for unbound the 200 mile race. And a lot of, a lot of clients are similar. So she's talking about like 300, <laughs> right? Which is, that could be a lot of people's Sunday rides, especially if you don't have a lot of fitness. And that's really the heart of this discussion is how much, if we're Ian Boswell, maybe, or, or some of these pro tour riders, who have just massive fitness, like 150 CTL is what we would call that. You know, they can handle a lot more because that drop in the bucket isn't as big. But if we're normal folks, I've said, you know, maybe our TSS per day is 30 to 70 is probably a range that a lot of folks are in. And then we go out and do 700. That's a lot, you know, a lot bigger. So we, we just want to be careful that the recovery off of the back end is sufficient. Mm -hmm. So all that to say, I, I think that's the what what I'm taking is I don't need to race every weekend or drive a long way to race. We live in a great area where there's races literally that I can ride to most, you know, a couple times a month at least. Um, to be clear, he's not riding. To I think we've had to say this several times. But but, but I could. could. Yeah. And so the question is, why go somewhere else when there's community and I know people and it's fun and, you know, it's easy. Um, yeah. Not to say that I'll never travel again, but that's the way I've eased into this this year. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's that. So I think the learning then is maybe just back off a little bit on the frequency 
uh, question the duration, I think, a little bit. Again, some people really like these big, long things, but respect them if, mm-hmm. the, if that's what you're I doing. I think that's, yeah, respect them is a huge and thing. And then use that pull towards the big rides, the rides with friends, the being at home more. Uh, use that to your advantage because I think especially as we get older, that's only going to improve if we give ourselves recovery and training, uh, routine, consistency, and then go and do a good job on those races. I think you'll find that you actually get another bunch of years of, of really, really strong racing out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the last piece, did you have another piece? Uh, the one thing I actually posted about last week that I think we'll link to oh, in the right. show notes is just this concept of, as you know, we often talk about the, what is your why? And I actually really don't like that question because I think, A, it's, it's very easy to kind of fake it. Like, there's always like this sort of like fake answer that you're supposed to give like, ah, oh, it's, you know, so my kids know that their parents are healthy or like yeah. just, it, it's kind of BSE, like sure. a little airy. I don't know. I'm yeah. And it. I like the values thing, but even those sometimes get, cause it's, you know, like you pick, every, you, you, pick integrity, wor- yeah, you pick world hunger as your, your value or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I actually kind of flipped the question to a bit of a, I'm going to say a negative, but it's not like, it's not trying to be negative. It's trying to kind of help you dig into it a bit more. And it's just asking yourself, what are you trying to prove and who are you trying to prove it to? Uh, cause I think a lot of the time our motivations, we might have this nice sounding why, but our motivations, if we actually dig into them, get a little bit murkier, you know, for, for me, it's thinking about like what, like the mean kids in high school, uh, you know, trying to like prove that like, I'm, I'm actually the superstar athlete to those kids or, you know, maybe it's an old coach or critical parents, or maybe it's just that your friends are all doing these huge things. So you feel like you have to be doing these sure. huge things to be part of this friend group or which, be a which, legit part of yeah, this, this friend gets group. back into that, that therapy. This is like an onion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or even, even you're trying to prove yourself to people who don't even follow you yeah, back on yeah, Instagram. This is like the high school kid that yeah. said you were a dummy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not a dummy. So I think it's just really important to do a little bit of like soul searching on that end and okay you know what it reminds me the (laughs) episode the uh we call it the myth of stress but that's not the name of the book anymore breaking the stress cycle uh with andy bernstein uh sort of that same thing of you know you should be doing 100 milers well can we come up with reasons why you should not be doing them at this time exactly uh that great episode great book and i refer to that and use that method all the time you Mm -hmm. know anytime you're saying you should just just do a quick check are there reasons i should not at this time Mm-hmm. Right. I love that. Yeah, let's link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, and on that note, we should we should wrap up here. But uh, you know, try to try to do some thinking this week, I guess, for everybody. Whether you're okay. loving racing or whether you're starting to feel a bit of burnout on it, uh, sure. just just ponder it. And if bit. this brought up any thoughts, for sure, send us a. a, a a contact form email this was maybe longer than a dm so you could use the contact form at consummateathlete.com or you could try the dms uh at consummate athlete perfect awesome thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you next time thanks so much for tuning into the consummate athlete podcast if you want to hear more training racing and endurance sport advice make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review you can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox 